0: welcome to master mindset reframe your thinking master your mindset with Nate Schula and Kim Adele
1: we're here to talk about the importance of having a clear goal-setting model and you have been running me through my paces around that in the past um, in the past few months right like we've set goals and I kind of started doing some research around this because I wanted to delve more into it. And yeah, it's, it's, it's been amazing to learn about this. And i still got a lot more to learn. Uh, and it's really important.
0: There's a real psychological psychological benefit, easy for me to say on a Friday, about having um goals. And in fact, there was a study done, I think it was done by Harvard, that showed that showed that actually if we set goals, we stand a much bigger chance of succeeding. In fact, as part of their research, they identified that only 3% of the people studied that they studied actually had not only a goal, but an action plan to achieve the goal. And when they went back and looked at those people, those people that had got a goal and an action plan to achieve it returned results 10 times greater than anybody else. And that got me thinking about how the wealth is distributed globally. And it can't be any coincidence that 1% of the population have more than 50% of the global wealth. When we think about that, 3% can deliver 10 10 times the results of anybody else. And it goes on to state that actually 81% of the global wealth is actually owned by 10% of the global population. So if we want to stand our best chance of delivering best results, the best return, then actually one of the things that we can invest in today is ensuring that we've got a goal and we've got an action plan to get there doesn't mean to say that those actions are all going to go perfectly as we know sometimes we set off on a path we think that we know where we're going and then we hit a roadblock or life throws in its little plot twist for us but if we've got an action plan then we're able to keep reviewing our progress against those actions identify the roadblocks and find alternative ways to go around them
1: yeah very much so in the past in the past few weeks You've been you've been uh, helping me to learn more about um, the two major goal setting methods and OKRs and SMART. Right? What's the major difference then, Kim? I know we've got this massive blog that that we're literally just about to uh, to release on OKRs and SMART. From a, it's like an executive kind of thing. It's not like in it's not like too detailed, but it's it gives enough information. So if you're an executive and you're looking to kind of Achieve your goals; it'll really help. Uh, so, what are the difference uh, between these two, the two major goal setting methods?
0: So, I guess really OKRs have often been used for those goals that are more um, qualitative than quantitative, the ones that are actually a bit more difficult sometimes to be able to get the right measures. And SMART are probably the ones that most of us have used over the years both of them have got some real alignment if you look into the detail of both of them you'll see that actually they both suggest that you need clarity that you need to know exactly what it is that you're trying to do that how how you're going to get there and how you're going to keep yourself honest so track your progress to see where they're going but obviously with OKRs what you're really saying is you've got the objective so what it is I'm trying to achieve And then I've got my key results. So what are the measures that matter? And that's one of the key differences really around OKRs is it talks about measuring what matters, not measuring what you can, which is unfortunately one of the things that we fall into the trap of. We put in vanity measures because they make us feel good or we start measuring things just because we can, not because they're actually going to give us an indicator of whether or not it's important, OKRs uh, were adopted by Google over 20 odd years ago and we've seen how successful they are. And they are used very often in those technology based companies because what they allow you to do is take one objective across a variety of people. So across a virtual team and say we're trying to achieve the same goal. But as an example, how Kim contributes towards that goal is very different to how Nat contributes towards that goal. So we've got the same objective, but we've got different key results in how we're going to achieve it. If we look at SMART, SMART is saying that actually, when we think about our goal, we need to be specific about what it is, we need to be able to measure it, we need to make sure it's attainable, that actually we stand a chance of getting there, we know what steps we're going to take. It has to be realistic. And within that, what we mean is, Have we got the time, the knowledge, the resources? Is it in budget? Are we actually setting ourselves up for failure? And then that it's time bound. We know when we're going to attempt to deliver it by and that can keep us on track. But I think whichever one of those models you use, the bits that are really important are gaining that clarity, being really honest about where you're going and being really honest about where you're starting from. Because if you're not really clear on both of those, you're not really setting yourself up for success and then the key to all success in my opinion is to keep talking about it if we write these goals and we put them in a drawer and we only get around to discussing them with with ourselves or with our people when it's mid-year or end of year we don't stand a very good chance of actually delivering them they need to be something that uh, is real that is used all of the time that is part of our everyday conversation not in a Hello, Nat. <laughs> Here's my list of objectives for you this morning. Where have you got to? But just in that piece, it's going, you know, we do it with these, these reflections of the week, which is to reflect on where did we want to get to this week and how well have we done, which bits have gone well and which bits haven't gone so well that we can do differently next week to give ourselves a better result or that we can replicate next week to give ourselves an equally good result. And I think if we can start to encourage people to just have more conversations, to just keep talking about them and making it open debate, I think we have had a culture historically where feedback is a challenge. And it's not a surprise because particularly as a British person, we're not very good at feedback. So so if we tell somebody they're doing a good job or go, Nat, great job. Okay, well, that's not feedback. That's like a throwaway comment. If I want it to be feedback, I need to let you know what it was you did. What was the impact of it? Why I want you to do more of it again, so that you know exactly what it is I want you to replicate. Because Let's face it, if you do something I don't want you to do, I will be all over it like a rash. I'll tell you what you did, how it made me feel, what the impact was, why it was horrendous. So it's no surprise that when people are given feedback, the first reaction is, oh, God, no, I don't want it. Thanks, keep it, it's all yours. Uh, You know, I often joke that feedback is a gift. It doesn't come with a receipt. You know, you can't give it back. You've got to be able to accept and acknowledge it. But I think the only way we're going to be able to really change our viewpoint change our vantage point and develop that culture of continuous improvement is at the point that we all recognize that we are all lifelong learners and that has to start with the leader if you're not demonstrating that you're in it to learn that you're up for the feedback yourself you're not creating a place where actually continuous improvement is going to be really embraced and adopted
1: You know, when it comes to communication and effectively communicating this feedback, right? I mean, we talk every day and I think talking every day, communicating every day and being very, very clear that, you know, if you are sending that email, just be careful. You know, when you're sending an email, it could be that you may send it in the wrong tone. You You might think, well, I don't need to put emojis in an email. Well, actually taking your time to maybe put a smiley face in there or something to just soften that communication can oftentimes be be a really really good idea actually to be honest and motivational too you know yeah
0: because because the written word can can be misconstrued as can the verbal word we can pick up um a bit of slang it always reminds me of many years ago I really am sure my age now because this is going back to when I was hairdressing I grew up in Nottingham and I worked in Leicester and I remember this one particular day saying, I'm going to the Cobb shop, which made perfect sense to me as somebody from Nottingham. That is a crusty roll. <laughs> so I was going to go and get a sandwich. And I, the response I got was, what's wrong with you? And I went, What do you mean? What's wrong with me? And they went, well, who's upset you? I, like, I don't know what you're talking about. I just wondered if anybody wanted a sandwich I'm going to the sandwich shop. But Cobb in Leicester means you're upset. You're Mardi. You're, you, like, you've, you've been hurt in some way. So even something as throwaway as going to the sandwich shop can elicit a reaction that you didn't expect. So I think sometimes it's about thinking about those parts and and trying to frame that conversation. If you've got to give somebody some feedback where they've not quite done what you wanted them to do I always start with the fact that my belief is that people have positive intention. I don't think anybody gets up in the morning and goes, I wonder how to really irritate my boss. I wonder how to be really bad at what I do. I wonder how to really annoy the people that I'm going to meet today. I'm not saying nobody ever has that feeling, but I don't think it's I don't think it's the rule. I think it might be the exception. I if you work on the fact that the intention was honourable, even if the impact was off, I often find starting with I think what you're trying to achieve is, and really gain that agreement collectively on what it is you think that they're trying to achieve. And once you've aligned to that, you can go, brilliant, that's that's such an amazing goal. That's exactly what I want you to do. What I'm here to talk to you about is whilst that's what you're trying to do, it's not quite what's happening. So can I help you understand how you're getting in your own way because we all have blind spots for a reason. We're blind to them. Language is so vital, especially working internationally. Understanding the cultural differences and the nuances is crucial to making sure that we don't inadvertently create a crisis out of a drama. Um, and we kind of really need to, to bear that in mind. But I think the more that we are open and have those conversations, the easier it is. I remember many years ago, um, saying to people, you know, like, if I'm doing something really irritating, do me a favor, let me know. Because even if it's really obvious, I promise I don't know. And therefore, I am going to continue to do it. you're <laughs> going to continue to get frustrated. And it wasn't until things went horribly wrong. So I joined and we hit our numbers and we hit our numbers and everything was going great. In fact, it was going so great that I got told by my boss if I needed to slow it down slightly, because if not, we were going to give ourselves a real challenge for the following year. So I'd agreed that we would take a bit of a breather. We'd take a couple of days out. We'd take a sales team on a community um, support day. Never did that. Never the sales team. Other people got to go, but sales were, you know, they were tied to their desk. And I was like, we'll do that. We'll take everybody out for a couple of days. And then we hit August and August was so horrendous that we merged it with September and called it October, and hoped that might help us with the motivation. And things got very heated. Our end of financial year was September. And all of a sudden, I was under a lot of pressure to say, you're going to have to cancel the CSR event, Kim. Like you, You can't be seen to be doing that when you're not hitting your number. And I was like, I can't do that. I've stood here in front of these people and told them that revenue is not king. If we do the right thing in the right way and we put the customer first, we will achieve what we're designed to achieve. And if now the minute that we have some difficulty, the minute something doesn't go our way, I immediately throw all that out of the window and say it's all about the number. You may as well sack me. I've got no credibility here as a leader. And their response was, you do realise if you don't hit your number, the likelihood is you won't be here as a leader. I get that. Um, So I'm damned if I do and I'm damned if I don't. But I'm going to have to stick by my values. I'm going to have to stay true to what's important to me because that's the only way I know how to lead. And so we did. We, we kind of stuck to it. We went and did the CSR event. I remember on the very last day going into it, I think I've shared this story before, we needed to hit 250,000. And we'd never ever got anywhere near more than 180 but, on Friday. But,
1: but that's in one day, yeah?
0: I was in one day, yeah. But it was about yeah. giving that belief. It was about being really clear what our goal was in the morning. So this is what we need. And actually, our best way of getting there is to keep doing what we've been doing. We put the customer first, we keep our focus, we don't lose our nerve, and we trust in the fact that if we're doing the right thing in the right way and we stay consistent, that we will get the results. It was probably one of the highlights of my career. By lunchtime, the heels were off. I was was so exhausted running around getting people drinks, but I still vividly remember the atmosphere and the fact that I had people coming up and it was they were putting sales on the board or letting us know that they've got revenue and giving me a hug and saying, we're doing this for you because you have done so much for making sure that you stay consistent. But for me, what was really important is i had been telling them for months, give me feedback. If I get in the, if I'm getting it wrong, give me feedback, give me feedback. Nobody would. And it wasn't until after we would got through that that they said, we just weren't sure that you could be this consistent. And we wanted to see what happened when things went horribly wrong, because it's all well and good to be the happy, positive, cheery person when things are going swimmingly. But actually we needed to see what you were like under a crisis. And in, even in a crisis, even with the board sat in the room, like smiling at me <laughs> while I was doing a shout out, they said, you were just the same person. I was like, yeah, I'm not bright enough to have more than one agenda. It's like, I'm here to have the one agenda, which is to do the job I'm being paid to do and to empower my people to be the best that they can be. And, and that's my purpose in life. It's my purpose now is to help other leaders to be able to do the same. I think clarity of goal and keeping that communication going is so important
1: we've been following a very clear coaching framework right that that digs deep into each aspect required uh to achieve success yeah and and that's something which you've been using for what decades yeah
0: yeah it's kind of you to not point out how old i am but nearly 30 years (laughs) i always think we grow through our pain only when we go through our pain so we have to go back and look at what went wrong and what have I learned what's it teaching me even when you know life throws us something that doesn't feel um like it's really well deserved I always think well it's either a lesson a blessing or both and if it's not feeling like a blessing then I need to go and have a look at what lesson it is that I'm there to learn because if not life will repeat the lesson until I learn it so actually it's better to go and have a look at it and say what am I learning what did I do that was perhaps put me on this path and can I tweak it and we need to remember that you know diamonds are just rocks that did really well under pressure So if we bear that in mind, then when things are getting us down, we just think I'm going to come out the other side of diamond. Yeah,
1: very much so. So when it comes to this grow coaching model, right, um, you know, if anyone wants to go and grab more information on that, if you're a coach or a corporate leader or someone that's sort of a bit stuck in your career, you can go to EliteCoachesClub.com. And whilst it does say it's for coaches, actually, it, it is applicable to everybody. If you want to coach yourself or coach your team or or your clients, it's perfect. So go and grab that. But in, in terms of the grow model, Kim, do you want to just share a bit about what that
0: entails yeah yeah, of course so I've been using Grow for years in fact I even use it on my little girl when we're trying to get ready for nursery and it's like the goal is I need us to be out of the door because I need to get her to nursery I need to get to work and the reality is she wants to play and doesn't really want to put her shoes on so we then go through the options of like here's your choices Mummy picks your shoes you pick your shoes Mummy gets grumpy and then we agree a way forward so it can be used in literally all walks of life you can use it if you're wanting to um Try a new hobby if you're wanting to lose weight, if you're wanting, even if you're wanting to have a more effective team meeting, agreeing what your goal is, then really being honest about your reality. Where are you right now? And then start to understand what are the obstacles that are getting in your way from where you are to where you want to be? And also, what are the options, things you could do? bridge that gap and then the final bit is the willingness and the way forward so what things are you willing to do because some of these things are going to require us to change and if i want to stick to my diet i am going to have to stop going in my little girl's chocolate cupboard and thinking it's appropriate just because they're tiny um that that's okay it's not okay i just need to back away from the chocolate tin but It's knowing that, it's being able to look at it and saying, actually, am I willing to do that? What are the things that I am going to be able to do? And where are the times that are actually going to get in my way? And then using it at the end, you know, the end of every week when I reflect, having weighed myself in and go, Yeah, okay. So what didn't you do that you said you were going to do? And why was that? Was it because you actually weren't that committed to the goal in the first place? Or was it because you weren't being that honest about your reality? Or had you given yourself something you just weren't willing to do? So I think that as a model. I use I use it all the time. In fact, it's almost become second nature. I forget that I'm using it and find myself, as I say with my little girl, going through the steps, um, because I know that it's a really great way of, of helping me get from where I am to where I want to go.
1: Yeah, and it's totally just learning about where you're at, what you've learned from the past, and how you're going to move forwards to where you want to get to. Right, and always remembering that goal and working the plan. It's all about the plan because. You know, my dad used to lecture around goal setting and stuff like back in the 1980s. And I shared an infographic earlier around that. And, and it's totally the same sort of process that you that you've basically outlined here. And, you know, I think it's it's fascinating, really, actually working on on these goals and achieving the goals is what's it really tying the goals into the motivation to achieving the goal. And then feeling good about that every day and every step of the way is feeling closer to that bigger goal is what keeps you, you know, on a on a on a level of happiness. Right. Because who wants to go to work and be miserable because your goal is like unrealistic or ridiculous? Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. And I think it's breaking it down, isn't it? Into those bite sized pieces so that you can actually acknowledge yourself for how far you've come or hold yourself to account if you've not come far enough. So, you know, if you think about if we were to climb Everest, you don't go and climb Everest in a day. You know, this camps along the way for a very good reason. One is you need to be able to acknowledge how far you've come to enable you to get the motivation to keep going. And two, you need to be able to give yourself time to rest and recuperate to keep that momentum going. And the same is true of whatever goal we're doing. So I think some of it is around looking at those parts and saying, is the timeline realistic? So as an example, I might have said that I want to set um, company standards for the entire organisation. Well, that's a bit too open-ended. So I could either be on track or off track and not know. If instead I was to say I want to be able to set company standards and I'm committing to have written one policy and tested it every four weeks, that allows me to keep myself honest. Have I done it? Have I done the policy? Am I on track or actually am I off track and I need to do something different? So I think it is so important that we break it down. But then equally, it's important that we practice self-compassion. We are human beings. Life gets in the way. We can have the best plan in the world. And this is not me saying, well, actually, let's just give ourselves all a get out gel free card and we don't need to. But I think having been somebody who suffered from imposter syndrome for a lot of years, I loved my hair shirt. You know, I wouldn't get something right. And I would add it to all the other things I've not got right over the years and all the reasons why I was hopeless and couldn't add any value and couldn't do anything for anybody. And that's just a lot of dead weight to carry around. Instead, now I look at it sometimes and go, do you know what? You didn't quite do what you wanted to get done. Understand why was that? What happened? What can I learn from it? And then commit to the fact that tomorrow is a brand new day. So rather than to open the day with today's disappointments, I open it with the gratitude of the fact that I've got a blank sheet to start again and I can make today a better day than my previous one.
1: Very much so. we have shared massive value. And for people that are just joining, should go back and kind of watch uh, watch the recording wherever you're at. And yeah, and if you are a coach or an executive leader or someone that wants to goal set effectively, then go to EliteCoachesClub.com and check out uh, the information there. That'll take you to uh, to some info and then literally uh, go and grab the, the grow training. Really appreciate it. And thanks, Kim. Thanks, everyone. Uh, Appreciate you guys very much. Thank you.
0: Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to Master Mindset. Please don't forget to follow wherever you listen and tell your friends and tell your friends.